Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. We're discussing who they should take and breaking down some of these prospects with a guy who knows a thing or two about breaking down film and evaluating prospects. Two-time ACC Coach of the Year, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, our friend Seth Greenberg is back with us on the Technicom Hotline. Coach, how you been, man? Doing great. How you guys doing? Got a little optimism in Charlotte. I like it. Yeah, feeling good. Feeling really good. I like some of these pieces they have. P.J. Washington, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges. They got to keep building here, Coach, and if the pick was up to you, with number three, who would you probably look to here? My gut feeling is James Wiseman. His upside is incredible uh, if he's available. Uh, you know, now he's got a little Chris Bosh in him. He can run the floor. He can block shots. His motor doesn't run all the time, and he didn't have a full year of basketball, obviously, this year due to the situation at Memphis. I really like him. I also like Neka Okongwu. Uh, I think Okongwu is Bam Adebayo 2.0. Now, they need more of a star player, and I think Wiseman's upside might be a little bit higher, but uh, Okongwu is a guy that's going to bring it every single day. He can rebound the ball. He can switch in ball screens and keep the guards in front. Uh, he's relentless on the glass. Uh, he can score in short roll situations and is a pretty good passer. Uh, those are probably the two guys that, you know, to me, jump out and, and fill their needs. Let, let's face it, they need front court help. They need rim protection. I think PJ is going to continue to get better. I think Miles is going to continue to get better. They could use a bigger guard with Rozier and obviously Graham. Uh, they could use maybe a bigger guard, but I think that if you can get a Wiseman or a Congo, I think those would be two really good picks. And they've got opportunities later in the draft, which is important. Yeah, look, I think Wiseman's interesting. And I was talking to some folks out in Memphis, some mutual friends of ours last night, one of whom said, look, this is a good kid from a good family that got caught up in a bad situation with the agents. The sky's the limit for him at the NBA level. I'm going to talk to Coach Borrego coming up in just a bit. But if, if you were to get your hands on James Wiseman at the NBA level, what's the first thing you're working on? How do you mold his game? Well, I think that he's got his game is interesting because he is skilled. He can run the floor. He's a very good passer. He could be that stretch five or stretch four, depending on your line. Probably with you guys, it would be a stretch five that can play a lot of different places. Uh, I think consistency, uh, consistency in his effort, consistency running the floor, consistency competing uh, uh, on the glass. But he's got to get stronger. He's got to get stronger so he can rebound in traffic and things of that nature. But you know, like he, he's interesting because I really like him a lot, and I, I, he is a very bright kid. I had him at the Adidas All American Camp, 
and a, and a terrific kid who loves ball. Like he came to the camp, he didn't have to play; he played. Uh, so I like him. He, you know, I worry a little bit. You know, does he have a little more of a Bagley in him? Where you, know, you look at him, you say, God, he could really be special, but he hasn't produced yet. Uh, I think he, I think he has something special in him, and uh, I, I just would like to see him. He's got to fall in love with the game. Seth Greenberg, oh, sorry, great coach. player. You got to fall in love with the game. Sorry about that. Seth Greenberg, two-time ACC Coach of the Year, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, with us on the Technicom Hotline. Anthony Edwards, you know, I, I see split opinions on him, Coach. It's either this is the obvious first overall pick or people who are highly skeptical. Talk to me about Anthony Edwards. I'm not as high as others uh, on him, to be honest with you. I think Anthony Edwards is going to be a world-class athlete, physically imposing. Uh, you want to say, can he be Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell had one more year of school underneath his belt. Don't love his feel for the game. Uh, uh, don't love his his understanding of the game. I think Tom Creed did a really good job with him, but he, you know he had a lot of catching up to do in terms of understanding the intricacies of the game. And the NBA game, and you guys understand it, but the average fan doesn't understand it. Is is the good NBA players have PhDs in the game? Mm-hmm. They really understand. They understand spacing. They understand uh, playing out of concepts. They understand flow. They understand shot selection. The good ones do. Now, he is physically imposing. He could be potentially uh, an elite defender. He could be potentially a dynamic scorer. His shot selection isn't good. Everyone says, well, you know, he's, gonna, he's a great kid. He loves the game. He's going to work on a shot. But he hasn't been a shot maker. He's been a shot maker in specific games. So he would be more, uh, you know, you're banking on potential. And that, let's face it, the draft is about potential. Uh, you know, I think he's he, he's worth the risk, but I, I'm not as high on him as others. Seth, uh, LaMelo Ball, right? He doesn't fall under your purview of, of covering college basketball, but he's another guy where I'm seeing some people telling me he's six seven, six eight, big wingspan, loves the game, he's athletic, there's a ton of potential on the offensive side, but I've, I've talked to Chris Patola and Matt Doherty and others who say he doesn't give a, a lick of effort on the defensive end. The, the jump shot is iffy. To some people, again, he's the number one overall pick. To others, they're not touching him with a 10-foot pole. Where do you fall? Well, I, the reason I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole is because, obviously, uh, everything that goes around, if his dad's involved. Now, I think the best thing for this kid is you haven't heard a lot from his dad uh, in the last six months or so, which is a good thing. You know, let the kid stand on his own merit. He has got incredible vision. Not good vision. He's got incredible vision. He's got incredible feel. He's got the ability to do things that very few players do. Is he a winning player? Because you know, we're watching the playoffs now. And I'll tell you what, the big thing you see is guys that are winning players. Who are winning players? What do guys do that help your team, put your team in position to be successful? And 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 that's the big question for uh, Lamelo is, you know, can he commit defensively? Can he play with others? Will he understand shots? selection? his talent is undeniable. His size, his feel, uh, his skill level uh, in open floor, terrific. I, I think a big thing for him would be be with that, the right team where he can get be mentored by veteran players to teach him not how to be a pro, but how to be a winning player. I mean, it really is that simple. I mean, you, you, you look at the playoffs coming around, and you, and you see, like, talent isn't everything. Look at Toronto. Think about Toronto's backcourt. Yep. All right? and, and, but they're winning players. They're winning players. Look at the makeup of the Heat. Guys from winning programs, winning players. Uh, even the Lakers, when they're not playing well, 
Uh, look at the Bucks when they're playing well and the guys that come off the bench. Look what Jalen Brunson did. People undervalued him. Look, people undervalued Malcolm Brogdon uh, because they, they did undervalued what a winning player was. His talent is undeniable. If he gets in the right environment with his talent, he's got a chance to be special as long as he eliminates the static that goes around with him, and, and that well, most of the static, let's face it, is his father, who's trying, who's done a great job, obviously, raising these kids, but but but, but is just a, a distraction when you get to the NBA level. That's exactly how I put it in the previous segment. Seth, I think you and I have talked about Obi Toppin before, but refresh my memory. I love this kid. I realize to some he's uh, he's ancient at 22 years old, but hell, he might have been cutting down the nets this past spring if we'd had an NCAA tournament. What do you think of Obi Toppin? First of all, the whole idea that a guy's Asian at 22, and that's another thing that just absolutely drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NBA is about speculation, but oh, here's a 22-year-old. Well, he's too old. He's 22 years old. And I'm going to go back to my same thing. Look at some. Look at Devontae Graham. Look at Malcolm Brockton. Look at Jalen Brunson. Look at – you can go right down the list. I mean, there's you know, these veteran guys that come into the league. Mikael Bridges came in a couple of years. He was a little bit older. Uh, they, they, oh no, we're going to. They understand, coach. I think we understand we, the value. Of there it. we go. We lost you for a second. Sorry about that. Yeah, they, they, they understand the value of it. Uh, so Obi Topping, I love everything about Obi Topping. I'm a little concerned about him defensively. Uh, and will he, you know, will he continue to rebound the ball? What, what position do you play him at? Is he is, is he a, is he a small ball five? Is he is he a four? He can really shoot it. Can really shoot it. Uh, he's a very good passer. A terrific passer. Uh, he, he runs the floor. Now, they did a good job with him of contesting shots and running them out. In the NBA, he's going to have to come back and rebound. Uh, but yeah, he's, an intriguing, he's an intriguing prospect. I don't think I'd see him at three. I know some of our people see him that high. I don't see him, I don't see him that high. I, I see him as a guy that probably between probably seven and 12, quite honestly. Yeah. Hey, as far as the international prospects go, I've, I've – I've seen some Denny Avia. The the tape is really fascinating to me, and I, I see others who really cover the Euro League making Luka Doncic comparisons. And you know, Killian Hayes yeah, yeah, is still yeah, a bit yeah, of a mystery. What do you think about these guys? I like Killian Hayes. I like he's a 19 year old with a really good feel. Doesn't shoot it great. Um, has a legitimate size. Not a world class athlete. I actually recruited, tried to recruit his dad. Uh, oh wow! But I, I I like his game. I like his feel for the game. Uh, I like uh, I like his vision. Uh, I like his versatility. I like uh, I like his game. Uh, the kid from Israel, my brother coached against him. My brother coaches in Israel. He's not looking though. Like here's the deal: we can't make these comparisons. <laughs> Luka Doncic is one of the five best players in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, like like what he is is he's a point forward. He's not a point guard, but he is a point forward. What he is is a guy that can facilitate and initiate offense off a defensive rebound. What he is is he's got a high basketball IQ playing in a terrific league in the Israeli League of the Euro Cup, um, and he's got great strength. Not a great shooter. So you know, that's why people say, well, he's got good vision and he's not a great shooter. He's not like, like Luka. Luka is an assassin. I mean, like Luka, Luka absolutely buries dudes. I mean, he gets hit on every drive, and what he does, he takes the hit, boom, if he gets fouled and lays it in. I mean, Luca's a rare breed, and we got to remember now. Luca's been playing professionally at the second highest level in basketball since he's sixteen. Yeah, since he's sixteen years old. So uh, he's he's a good prospect. He's going to be a good player, uh, but he's not Luca Dodger. Coach, uh, real quick, I got about uh, you know I got enough time for this. Just a quick t- thought from you. 
on on the the prospect of college basketball moving forward in a, in a pandemic with everything going on i know it's kind of a shift in in conversation here but i'd love some perspective from you on what this all looks like moving ahead i think i think we're going to play college basketball i don't know that i'm not a doctor i'm not dr fauci i i i don't understand everything that transpires i don't think i don't see why there's any reason we can't have college basketball if campus is closed down and they go to distance learning or online learning and not that that's going to happen i'm just saying i don't i think they the two can coexist uh without a doubt but uh i think we're gonna have basketball they might be in a bubble and i don't think i don't think there's any problem with having basketball in a bubble especially if people are taking distance learning or a good portion of their classes are taking distance learning i don't think we're going to have a huge non-conference schedule because until we have a universal protocol across the board which is going to be expensive it's really hard if, say, you're in North Carolina or Duke or or a, a Big East program, and you're playing a team, say, in the Sun Belt. You're playing a team from the Big South. Do they have the same protocol as you have in your conference? Do they have the finances to test every other day? Do they have the finances uh, to do the things you need to do to make sure that uh, someone who's asymptomatic is identified and then quarantined? So. I think that's where the problem is going to be with non-conference scheduling. Uh, there's got to be some type of universal protocol, uh, but unfortunately not everyone's going to be able to afford it. Yeah. But I do think we're going to have college basketball. My gut feelings we will have an NCAA tournament. It might not be the way we normally look at it, but I, I do think that it will exist. And uh, I don't think fans will be in the stands, but I think we will have a season. Uh, and let's hope that there are all these brilliant people all over the world that are working night and day to uh, find a vaccine or an antivirus, uh, continue to press forward uh, uh, surrounding everything that's going on in the world and uh, continue to do the great work they're doing. And while that's happening, I know you guys hear it all the time, put your mask on, practice social distancing, be comfortable being uncomfortable, respect others, uh, and make good decisions. Be more like our locker rooms, just in society, to have greater humanity, have greater compassion, care for each other more, and respect each other more. And we have those mindsets uh we're going to play college basketball and we're going to get through this pandemic and everything else that's going on in the world love it coach appreciate your perspective buddy you're the man we'll talk soon guys appreciate it. thanks for having me.